Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How's your Monday? Pretty great, Dennis. It's a wonderful day here in southern Indiana. It's been a, a great week. I got to go up to Chicago this week. It's been beautiful weather there, and enjoy the the, the city. That city's so darn big. It's um, like every time I go there, it feels like I'm even though I'm going to the same area. There's always some place I go new. Um, that was sure, kind of nice sure. uh, to be able to get out and do some of that stuff. Are you rolling around the east, the, the humid east coast still? I am. I am. Yeah. I uh, let's see. Last time we talked, I was in Williamsburg, mm-hmm. and um, I was there in Virginia the rest of the week. The second half of the week, I was out on what they call the Eastern Shore. Um, it was pretty interesting, actually. I because I was in the same place again, and it was hot. There was a decent sort of cool breeze off of the water. Um, it's sort of, I don't know, like m- almost mud flats kind of water there on on the eastern shore. But um, it was kind of nice outside, but in the camper was a little sunny because where I was parked so that I could get a good view, there was no shade. All right, sort of. It's always a trade-off. Right. Um, and so I went around Saturday looking for things to do inside because it was too hot to go like on a nature walk or something. Um, I mean, I probably could if I had been adequately prepared, Mm -hmm. but it was like 80. I'm like, eh, what's there to do inside? (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and I found this little museum. Um, it's basically an old school building. Um, not like one room, pioneer day school building but like uh maybe late 1800s um era i don't really know anything about the building and i should have looked it up because it has a weird uh uh indian name Mm. Um, see if i can find it while i'm talking but this old um old school building that they use for um sort of uh like some of it is retail space, like little pottery shops and art shops. And one guy far on one end had a record store, just had a bunch of records that he brought in and, and sold And there. They run kind of weird hours. Um, and most of the shops were closed. Um, the town, I'm probably not going to pronounce this right, is called Onancock. <laughs> O-N- I, I don't know O-N- what to say about that. I couldn't help yeah, but laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. O. O-N-A-N-C-O-C-K. Uh, you can and, only live there if you... Right, right. Yep. Uh, it's the historic school in that town of the same name. <laughs> um, of the same name. <laughs> nice. And um, and the museum is called the Eastern Shore Waterman's Museum and Research Center. Okay. And it's this, you know, two little rooms, and they also had, like, a bookstore on the other side of the stairs. But it's this older guy and his wife... Um, not super old, but like in their sixties. Um, and he grew up, you know, in this boating, like crab fishing kind of tradition with his dad and his grandpa and generations back. And he had all these stories. And so he told me all about the area. It's basically this peninsula of land that is between, um, uh, what is it? Washington D.C. and New Jersey, Atlantic City. Okay. 
Um, it's all of Delaware, that whole like eastern chunk of Maryland, and then the little like narrow tip of it at the end is Virginia's eastern shore. So it's this oh, okay. whole slice of Virginia that's separate from the main landmass. They actually have a, a a recurring sort of complaint that often maps of Virginia are drawn with what they call the triangle, which is like just the main landmass, and they forget or they leave off the eastern shore. It's like when um, it's like when maps of the world are missing New Zealand, mm. right? Like, why, hey, this is, we're part of the state, too. It was <laughs> kind of funny. Right. Um, but that was Saturday. And then yesterday, I drove up from there. Um, there was actually a ferry I could have taken uh, from Delaware to New Jersey and cut, uh, well, maybe cut some time. Cut driving time quite a bit um, off of my trip. But, of course, the ferry boat only it runs on a certain schedule. And it's kind of pricey if you're going to put a long vehicle with a trailer uh, on there. And I didn't plan for that. Mm. Um, so I ended up driving around up through the edge of, of Wilmington. And then there's a big bridge. Um, I don't know. And Google's not going to show me uh, the Delaware. There's a bridge over the Delaware um, from Wilmington, like if you're going to... Uh, I don't know, Atlantic City or to get on the the New Jersey Turnpike, I guess. Mm. Um, but I crossed there and then went down. And so I'm down now in the lower tip of um, of New Jersey. And there's a sort of like, it's like marshy wetlands around here. I don't know. I've only been here a day and a half. And um, I went out to uh, a little town called stone harbor um where they have it's like a downtown like if you've ever been to a an older beach town like the one in michigan whose name i can never remember um uh there are like it's like a downtown sort of pedestrian district but there's still you know street side parking it's like it's like a downtown in any old town where there are a lot of shops right next to each other except it's all very um uh, it's all still very happening. Like there are not very many empty shops and stuff like you see in a Midwestern small town. Yeah. Um, be- because of the tourism, right? There's oh, enough tourism that, right. that they still, um, do a lot of business. But I went out there last night, uh, to see the new Downton Abbey movie. Um, and so we might talk about that a yeah, little sure, bit yeah. later. Oh, why don't we just talk about it right now, Dennis? So is, is it a... Sure. I have not seen the series, so I, so I get questions as we go along, so pardon if they're redundant. Uh, no worries. The, what is... Is this a... Like, did the series end and this it left a bunch of cliffhangers and this resolves them, kind of like um, how Serenity maybe did for Firefly? Or was this like a... It ended and now this is a whole different group of people with Downton Abbey or a spinoff or continue the story? Um, How's this, what's this work? It's, it's more the former. Um, I wouldn't say that the original or the, the, the series left a lot of cliffhangers. Um, this is the second movie. So, Oh, it's the second. Um, okay. All right. This is the second. The first movie was about, um, the house getting a visit from the Royals, from the King and Queen. Uh, oh, oh, so is it like an, 
it's like an episode sort of sort of it's like a it's like a long t- i mean the, especially in the format that the later seasons of the series uh episodes were yeah um it's a kind of i'm going to draw a comparison between game of thrones even though the series is very different from game of thrones except that everybody very, has very different accents <laughs> yeah. um but if you think about certain seasons, certain episodes of Game of Thrones, there were a lot of storylines going on. Um, and you're like, well, oh, these people in this city are doing this, and these people on this continent are doing this, right? All yeah. throughout that series. Yeah. That's kind of how Downton Abbey was, especially toward the end. Even though they were, for a lot of it, all in the same house, um, even from the beginning, they're were different stories happening, different conflicts, different intrigues and romances um, between the the family upstairs and their different members, the husband and wife, the the grandma and the the three daughters, and their you know the daughters' love interests over time. But then there were also a whole like dozen characters who were servants, right? The butler and the housekeeper and the and the cook. And the different maids and all of that stuff, like, all have their own stories happening, too. And so you were constantly, like, jumping back and forth between the different stories. And then the further the show went on, there became more, there's, like, this daughter has this situation that's going on with this guy. And he's older, and he runs this newspaper, and he's gone to Germany, and he's been gone, and she doesn't know why. And that's just one story. There are, like, five other stories all happening in one episode. And it got almost overwhelming. Oh yeah. Um, And so they did the first movie and it was that kind of like, it's like an episode, but bigger because the King and Queen are coming. And so it's this whole, this whole big thing. The King, the, the Royal family has their own set of servants who come in and, you know, just want the, the Downton servants to stay out of the way because they have all their own. And of course the Downton servants have been, eagerly anticipating the royals coming so that they can serve them and they're like no you just stay out of our way and there's that drama and that's just that part of it Hmm. um where this movie um really was focused more on the characters like there is some outside stuff um but it's more about all these characters and what they're doing and a lot of the stories are not fully wrapped up, but like resolved in a satisfying way. Like the the franchise could be done at this point. Okay. Um, and if they if they wanted to, there are some little angles and hooks. It would probably be like if they do another movie or another series, it would probably be more of a like ten years later because it's it's somewhere around thirty, like the late twenties. Um, and so they could jump ahead and do a spinoff that is like leading up to the war to world war two. Okay. Um, because world war one happened in the series. Oh, okay. Cause it starts, um, the first season starts right after the Titanic, um, which I want to say is 1917, but I think that's a couple years late. No, cause by 17, they would be too close to the war. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, world war one, obviously. Um, anyway, um, it was good. There was a lot of, um, really good sort of emotional kind of resolutions. 
Um, and it was fun seeing it in the theater, you know, with people laughing and reacting to, um, to the, the different sort of, you know, it's a, it's a unique sort of show that, um, unlike some of the newer, I, I call this, this genre costume, costume dramas. Okay. Yeah. Right. right um, yeah. there cool. are some newer ones that are very like, um, intentionally modern, right? We're like, here are these characters and they're dressed this way and they're in this time period, but they're still going to use some modern lingo. Like the, the example people use that I don't love is, um, a knight's tale. Mm, right. Yeah. Um, which I think was more goofy than Definitely. some of these newer things. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Downton Abbey doesn't do any of that. Like it's, it's, we're here and it's a story in this setting. Like, they they veer from historical accuracy very little at least and as much as i can tell hmm. um but while still having compelling kind of you know not not quite soap opera level drama where there are you know verbal jibes and insults and things that are all delivered from a very proper polite kind of you know ordered culture and society but also one that is in this time right in the the late teens and early 20s when a lot of that um is going away right they're, yeah. they're going through world war one and a lot of the a lot of those as they say great old houses were falling apart what you know had to be sold or or parceled off things because they couldn't keep them managed as the world is was starting to modernize yeah for sure um, so, so, so did you did you like yeah. it? Did you like that? Like as a, how do you feel? I did. Okay, I did. As as a fan um, of the series, and it feels like it sounds like you said it felt like it was completed. Gave you some good feelings at the end. Yeah, it gave more. It gave a little more uh, character closure um, to some of the to some of the storylines to some of the characters. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was good. Awesome, awesome. Must see for for fans. It, I I think I said this last week. I I um that's one of the, the series that that you know I want to watch. <laughs> and there's a lot mm -hmm. of there's a lot of I want to watches, but you know there's some things like you know what I miss that and I'm fine with it, right? Sure. But that's one that like you know if if I'm in anything that's I feel like an old like the, the Crown was one of those. You know if I want to watch mm -hmm. that kind of a thing. Downton Abbey's one of them too that that I think will fit and not get corny, not get too petty or um, social commentary. I mean, it probably does, but you know, not terrible or whatever. No, I mean, and it's and it's social commentary of the era. So of it's the not, era, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's actually and that's kind of cool, right? And it's not it's not the kind of thing. I mean, I say this now, but it doesn't seem to me like the kind of thing that will. Um, you know, like, like age poorly, um, because it's, because it's a period, because it's a period piece. Um, I think, I don't know. I mean, there are definitely, you know, series like that where like you missed it and you're like, well, I can watch it now, but it's so much of it is different. Like, yeah. look at the phones they're using or, yeah. you know, like this problem could be solved if they had smartphones yeah, or exactly. whatever. I'm listening right. to, um, uh, I'm listening to the audiobook of uh the Maltese Falcon. Yeah. The uh uh Dashiell Hammett 
um, that was adapted into a movie with uh, Bogart, Humphrey Bogart. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so funny because it's very like it's it's noir detective stuff. So it's very like dark and gritty, and there's all this weird sort of like misogyny happening just in the culture between men and women but there's also all this weird technology stuff where like he's gonna do a thing and first he's got to make five phone calls and every time he talks the operator and gives him the number and waits for somebody and you know ask him what time is best and have somebody ring me back it's this very like even with phones like the process of planning meetings and and organizing things was so slow um yeah because of you know travel time and of course because if somebody's not there you know you can't uh you can't reach them but you can leave a message with their girl right their mm-hmm. secretary um they, a they, little bit some, some of these in that way when you were talking about like except even keep, earlier keep things keeping like um not age or being able to age well or, or whatever mm-hmm. they some of those things, like you, or you, it might be easy to say that. Well, that's because it's a historical thing that's in the past. Well, yes, but production values matter. Meaning that you can watch a show, let's say, made in the '80s, that's set in the Western right. time, and like all the right. stitching looks like it's made from a machine. You know, all mm-hmm. the 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 flags that they used are modern you know stuff polyester so, so yeah polyester yeah. so you can like it just looks like it's or it's shot on a set right and you can tell that it's yeah yeah that's like gone with the that's really whatever, you know? that's really the better comparison like some of it is uh like i don't want to say necessarily technology but just like like production technology production value mm-hmm. um changes over the years and then you also have things where um just the the like creative intent changes like if you compare the two um most popular adaptations of pride and prejudice are my go-to example for this Mm. um you have the the original bbc one which is very like technically accurate and true to the novel right they're very polite they're very reserved they're very clean it's very english very like on a stage bbc kind of production style and then you have what i say the newer one which is now probably almost 20 years old um with kira knightley where um like the writing the lines the dialogue are still the same still taken out of the book but everything is much more like um like a, a little bit more raw a little more visceral the characters get dirty a little more um just physically they're out in the mud and they get wet and it doesn't look like you know somebody dumped water on them it looks like they walked through a muddy field in the rain um and some um, of that stuff some of that stuff is like it's just good like the good work of craftsmanship and stuff and i I don't mean to knock people who who made movies in the 60s or 70s or or before but when you watch gone with the wind which is a great movie um mm-hmm. you know you can just tell that it's it's made on like i said on say the background the look out at the windows you, it's a painting back there right mm-hmm. uh the the walls aren't made of what they were made of back then they're made of you know quick right. drywall or whatever it might be um mm-hmm. because because it's you know the the film quality wasn't that great to tell that anyway and or also 
they didn't they had a certain amount of money and they didn't put it into real realistic looking china you know right, uh, right so so the the wallpaper was clearly like what modern wallpaper yeah um, or they're in a or they're in an era or with a budget where they can't compensate for very distinct hairstyles of the time. Yeah, right. Right? Like like you're making a movie about the Civil War, but you're making it in the 80s. Yeah. And so you can do what you can. You can put fake sideburns on people and stuff, but they still have 80s haircuts. Yeah. And you can't... They either can't or they didn't do anything to fix that. To make that look good. Yeah. I, I, I haven't... Now... I'm going to say this on a blind thing, knowing that it could get us bad reviews here, but I haven't watched Bridgerton, but what I've heard about Bridgerton is that that is the opposite of it. The Bridget, not the Bridget, sorry, I, I kind of transitioned there wrong. Not that it has bad production qualities, but that it's, it's a Downton Abbey that's modernized with all like modernized stuff. Have you watched so, that one? Yeah, th- that's an example of the sort of, I don't know what word to, I, to, what word to use to describe this um i say those kind of shows are um intentionally anachronistic okay um and and they're the when people say knight's tale kind of example um bridgerton is a show that i watched a couple episodes of and i was confused and i because i was confused i looked online because the the show was not explaining itself for me. Um, Bridgerton is set in England. I want to say in the Georgian era, which is right around the same time as, as the Pride and Prejudice uh, novels are set. And there are, uh, well, they're not African-American because it's England, um, but there are nobles um, um, like dukes and countesses and and stuff of African descent, and I'm like, what what is this? Like, I know that this is not historically accurate, and this is a historic drama. And so I looked it up, and there's no the the show doesn't give any explanation for it except that there's a there's a speculation or a rumor that one of the queens of England was black or perhaps half black i don't remember now off off from memory um and the the theory or the premise from for the show is that that was true the queen was black and because of that they have african descended nobility in england and yeah. everything else is the same like they still have servants the servants are various races just as you know england was a was a um imperial power that colonized places and brought back people from colonies all over so they had servants of of different races and 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 all that sort of thing and now i shouldn't say that otherwise the show is accurate because there's also a lot of um well i don't know if i should say this is inaccurate there it shows more um uh illicit not illicit uh there's more sex in it than most oh, costume see. dramas have. Sure, yeah. Um, but it's still, I think, mostly handled within the, like, propriety and the culture of the time. Like, it doesn't happen until, I don't think, it happens until characters get married. And then 
the the wife in the the scenario the young the young wife has no comprehension like she hasn't been given any kind of sexual education right mm. which would be i think probably pretty accurate to that time um and so I lump these things together like the um, the series, I think it's on Apple TV, Dickinson, about Emily Dickinson. I've talked about that before. Um, is It's about a real person with her real family, but there's not, there are big gaps in the history of what is known. And so um, they, they elaborate and fill in with the writing all of this all this extra story and then when they will like throw a ball and everybody's dancing they're dancing to modern music or it's yeah. it's still like with the same instrumentation but it's got like modern beats and stuff and every once in a while the characters will throw in modern dialogue and it's a little jarring but i that, that's why i use the word intentionally it's not like uh you know the north and south series about the civil war made in the 80s with the 80s hairstyles like these people making these shows now made this decision creatively for a reason for it to be jarring or entertaining or appealing to a younger audience who still is interested in some of the romanticism of this era. Um, but with a, you know, with a little bit of a different spin on it. Um, because, you know, if you think about a story like pride and prejudice, that's not historic. Like those weren't real people. Yeah. That was fiction. It was fiction written in an era. Right. But it's still fiction. Like there's no reason you can't retell just like, um, um, you know, a handful of, of Shakespeare stories like Hamlet and Romeo and Juliet and, and, uh, um, Oh, what's the one? No, no, I'm thinking of something else. Um, have been readapted and retold in different, time frames in different contexts because the core of the story is about people and you you can get a lot of the you know in some ways history repeats itself like people can still have the same or different versions of the same prejudices um and and conflicts and dramas in different settings in different eras throughout history true you know there, uh, there's and i and i do like how sometimes they'll try to intentionally you know do what alt history type things or right uh and like intentionally like there's uh what was the one there was like a pride and prejudice and zombies or some kind of thing like that sure i mean i'm not saying i i like that one per se but i you know i i like that it takes a the idea is to take a an old thing and make it put a new paint on it a different way Mm -hmm. uh, completely you know left field type thing which that that's enjoyable too uh, yeah. so I didn't mean to feel like I was knocking Bridgerton for that, but it's definitely not my kind of a thing in general, I want to say. Right. Um, yeah, it's a, it's definitely hitting a unique audience, right? Because like, yeah. um, you know, my parents like the genre, like the costume drama genre, yeah. but I know that they would absolutely not like Bridgerton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, all, all of those things that that make it entertaining and appealing because there's always a new audience, right? Like there's always yeah, a younger sure. audience and, and they are going to be looking for something different than historical accuracy. Yeah. I, um, I, um, oh, um, because there are a lot of things accurate about those, those periods, um, that are not good. Right. Like, uh, oh, you yeah, know, the, for the sure. over, 
over romanticizing that kind of like high class elegance is like idolizing a repressive class system. Right. 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 And yeah, I, I, uh, there, because there's the other things I, I was just trying to think here. Is there any that I liked that's like that? And kind of, but not sure. necessarily historically, uh, genre mixing somewhat is, you know, like, I guess it's, mm. you know, type stuff. I like, um, like Firefly was an example. Like it, that was the, one of the first things that turned me on to Firefly was like, I kind of like Westerns, you know, there's, there's things I like about Westerns, uh, but, and, but I really like sci-fi. So like, let's put these two things together. Mm-hmm. And you've got something that's kind of like it would be written for Western time, but then you've got all this science fiction stuff. Right. Right. So it's not historical in any way or like past set in the past. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so there's some, uh, some of the stuff like that, that, that I do enjoy. Uh, but anyway, if I, yeah, I mean, it's, two, it's, I think it, I would watch the Downton Abbey. It's, it's very much like I could, uh, I could go on for a while about Firefly being a Western and them like, you know, the, the losing, uh, the losing war. They're basically like former Confederate soldiers. Oh yeah, they're, it's right. definitely after civil after war. The civil war. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, the um, uh, there's a show, moving on to other not historical but like past type stuff. Uh, I know you watched um, the Northman in in theaters, and I mm-hmm. we're not going to talk about this week because I'm 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 pushing it off to, in hopes that I can watch it this week. Everywhere everywhere around here within a 90 mile radius is going to stop playing it as of after this Thursday. So I've got wow. just a few days. So it's been out like two weeks or something. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like that. I don't know what its status is. I know it's got a pretty decent mm. rating from critics on um, Rotten Tomatoes, but I'm never a critics rating person. Sure. Um, yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. yeah that's and You know, people who anecdotally who I've, I know seen it have said that as well. Um, mm. And, and obviously I'm a, big viking fan so you know right i want to go see that anyway so i'm hoping to watch that one and we'll talk about that next week so people are wondering why i didn't see that well I, I do hope to see it but i was at in chicago this last weekend and i didn't get to watch right. it because i did a, a, a our probably biannually um galloping ghost trip this this year which was uh, n- nothing new there to say on that front per se um except that we there were there was six of us this time. There's usually between five to ten that will go, okay. or no, I should say four to ten. Um, but we we started since we've kind of we've all on a kind of a schedule. We're always going twice a year and making it a big event. We decided to do a um, a game trophy traveling trophy type thing where you know each time you go we we do a, we're picking five games. And then okay. uh, if you let's like one of them this time was Donkey Kong Jr. Um, and sure. you if you get the highest score from of all of us in Donkey Kong Jr., you get five points. If you're second, you get four points, third, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Um, until like you get a, zero. Like a tournament sort of. Yeah, kind of like thing. And then and then you aggregate all your, you know, the points that you get and whoever has the most gets the trophy for the, for six months and can call themselves the uh, you know, traveling uh, group um, tour or whatever it's called. Uh, champion mm-hmm. uh, i unfortunately i won this time uh but that that's the it, it was the the thing i mentioned about it is because it made it really fun there's like 700 games and i'm not exaggerating there's like over 700 games at the galloping right. ghost um and 
since it's an unlimited free play thing, it's a total different kind of mentality when you're going in and looking at these games. You'll sit down at a game and say, oh, that's kind of cool. You'll play it through a couple times, but you don't really push to finish it, right? Hmm. And the reason sure. being is because you've got unlimited quarters. You right. can, it's, it's, it's superfluous to finish it. You can finish any game there just fine, right? Right. Um, where you can die over and over again and and just keep hit continue until you finally do. Or games that are based on high score, you're not going to beat the high score most likely because those are world record high scores. Mm-hmm. Right. So you look at some of those and you're like, oh my God, it's like 2 million on Donkey Kong Jr. And I, the highest I got was 2,000. Right. 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 Uh, and, and it's like that kind of stuff. But have, having this like five buddies that are all doing this thing, we, when we started this stuff, um, it's, you know, every everybody kind of did their own thing, and what you you'd see that someone would post on our group here. I just got this score in Silent Scope, and you're like, "Crap, that knocked me out of second or first place." <laughs> and then you go back over there, and you start, and then and then eventually you'd see a couple guys hanging around one of the games as they're trying to beat a score, and you're watching them play. So it just added this whole another like drive to to want to do something, right? Right. Yeah. So this time we picked our, our, our five games were for our inaugural one was a game called Silent Scope. It's one of those shooting like games, right? You know how you've got to stand in front of a thing and you've got to shoot the screen? Oh, yeah. With the light gun? Sure. With, with like a light gun, right. This this one happens to be a, a sniper gun. So you look through the scope and you can zoom in. Sure, uh, sure. That's a, an old arcade game. So we picked a shooter game. We picked, um, uh, do you know if I said the game Gradius, do you know what that is? That it's sounds like, Roman. Right, no, it's not. Uh, it's more like mecha kind of type thing or airplanes. Um, okay. It's a side-scrolling shooter where okay. where you've got like a spaceship, like Defender. That's the old. That's the one of the original ones. Like a like a Raiden project kind. Yeah, of? Yeah, Raiden Project's one of them. So mm-hmm. so the the game we picked was Raiden Four. So you you know that okay. one. Okay. Uh, and that was like kind of a brand new game that was there. Uh, really beautiful, really beautiful game. So we picked Raiden Four. Um, Don, I mentioned Donkey Kong Jr. That's the third one. Mm-hmm. And the fourth one was the old Tron game, like from the 80s. Sure. And the fifth one we pick is always a pinball machine. So we picked a game called Godzilla uh, on this one, which was pretty fun. We were going to pick the Aliens game, but it's out of order. So we picked mm-hmm. Godzilla. Um, and that's pretty fun. Most of these games are games that like we only play a little bit or whatever. And none of us have really played or, you know, we get a throwback. None of us are good right, at Donkey right. Kong Jr., but it's kind of neat sure. to play it. Um <laughs> And and while we can't be even come close to a high score anybody else, we can at least beat each other to get a little further. Right. Right. And they're like, all right, got it. And the rules are obviously you can do it has to be in one life, one continue, just I mean no continues, one life, and, and that's it. Uh so that's fun. We're we're really we really, really, really enjoyed that one that bit and we, we just played it made us stay hours longer than what we should have we should have spent because of that. Uh went back to Troy's I drank too much beer. Um mm-hmm which was fun. Um, but I got to try Like they've got such great breweries up in Chicago. I mean, everywhere, but Chicago's a big city and they got a lot of breweries and Troy right, right. has gone and kind of handpicked a whole bunch of different kinds of uh, beers for us to taste. So I don't think I had the same beer twice, but had a, just a ton of different ones. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that after you drink it so many years, the taste is gone and it's just, <laughs> I, yeah. I'd like to say yeah. I appreciated them all, but I, I couldn't. I've, I've done beer fests. I know. What yes, it's, like. it's very much one of those. I always like beer fest type stuff because you get so many people that are in there that are like super serious and they have their pencils and their paper and their little outlines of the maps and stuff and they're writing stuff mm-hmm, down. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And there's no way if they're really doing stuff that they can be like coherent after five or six, unless they're like swishing and spitting or something, you know? Sure. Yeah. I, d- I did that one time. I'm sure I've told this story before because um, our buddy Cogswell was a big beer guy for a while and he volunteered one year. So he was working and he was like, when we ran into him, he was like, well, have you, have you tried anything good? And I'm like, well, that place over there has cider. And he's like, that's not beer. What do you even? And it was the only one that I remembered because <laughs> the cider was distinct from all the beers. So the next year or the next time, because Bloomington has two, there's a normal like big brand one. And then there's a craft beer one. Um, the next time I made a note on my notes app on my phone and then tried to, even if it's just something really simple, I'm like, oh, this one is hoppy. And I'm like, well, it was an IPA. What? Well, of course it was hoppy. But right. um, just something to like engage my brain a little more with each uh, uh, tasting. And then I got, you know, I had more, maybe not usable information, but I had more information than um, than if I hadn't been doing that. Uh, for, for sure. I, I, I know when I always start out at those things that like, that's the, I, I'm real aware that there's going to be so many drinks before I, I'm, it's not going to matter. So I want to make sure that that there are are several that I want to taste for realsies, as they say, mm-hmm. so so that I that I like oh you know this is a new brand of beer at this place that I've heard about, um, or maybe I want to do a coffee stout, and they've got several different coffee stouts, and now I can actually get a good taste of the different ones. And you know sometimes you'll that, that's one thing I always think about trying something new is uh, let's say I want to pick a I'm going to pick something that people hate like a peanut butter stout or something right. And you're like, oh, that sounds gross, but I might like peanut butter. So you give it a try one time you're at a bar and it tastes mm-hmm. terrible. And you're like, I hate this thing. But Lesson learned. It, l- right. But that's the problem is that you say lesson learned and never do it again. But, you know, if I said I want a loaf of bread and I go to go pick up whatever loaf of bread is given to me and it's the most cheapest, driest, old sitting thing. And I say all bread sucks. <laughs> right. That, that's that's the same kind of situation. Right. I right. mean, granted, there could be like, I just don't like peanut butter. Right. That's I'm, I'm using a really bad example, but uh, apple cider, let's say apples. I just don't like apples. Well, you know, one apple cider from the other apple cider is very different from each other. Sure. Um, but you, you, you just can't go in and try all the apple ciders at all the all the bars, except you can at these brew festivals. You know, right. you can sit right. there and say, I want a red. I want a red beer. I'm going to try red beers and see what, you know, the different ones they got. And you can do that, which I really, really... I really enjoy that about going to a lot of those things uh, or, or getting a, a small little taste of something like a peanut butter beer that I may not probably don't want to buy a whole darn $10 glass of, but mm-hmm. a little bitty shot glass taste is good. Sure. Right? Of course. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to, to going to um, one of those, hopefully this year, they've got a good winter fest up in Indianapolis. Um, and, um, it's sometimes in the summer too, but it's, it's been weird with, um, COVID stuff. So I'm not sure you know, right, right. if they'll do that one. Hopefully they will like the micro Indiana microbrewers festival and stuff. Maybe they'll have mm-hmm. that. I think mm-hmm. it's in July. Usually I might have to look at that. Maybe, maybe if you're swinging by here, I know you're thinking around the July 4th, I get you to talk you to come out to a beer fest. Yeah. I'm, I'm still, I'm still finalizing those plans. I'll, it'll be quite a drive from where I am, but um, I like bet. I was saying off the air, if I decide that, it's not cool enough uh, in New England to try and spend the summer here if I'm still, like, going to places and staying in my camper all day with the air conditioning on because it's all dang hot outside. Um, I might just come back to the Midwest. 
Yeah, uh, do that run there. But yeah, uh, man, we'll it's, it's it's swampy, swampy, swampy out the east coast. That's really the difference between. I mean, when I went out to the west coast, and people can tell you about it, but until you go out to the west coast and actually get what they call about no humidity, and you're like, this is. I grew up in the Midwest, so we have you know how it is. We have humid humidity here. That's crazy. Not right. quite to the Florida, Georgia, and places like that, but right, right. Uh, still a lot of uh, a lot of humidity. So I never realized until I w- finally went out there as an adult what that feels like. It's, oh yeah, I'm. I'm sure I've world. talked to. I'm sure I've talked about this before, but my um, brother and sister in law live in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which mm, is mm. up in the north part of Idaho, just uh, is that across like a the border. Cool area up there usually. Kind of, yeah. It's in yeah. the. I guess they call it the Panhandle. It's the northern part of Idaho. It's the other side of Spokane, Washington. So, okay. you know, just on the in between uh, Washington and and Montana. Um, but it's high elevation, and the real like now. Granted, this story is almost ten years ago. This happened, but I was out there one summer after it was actually after we were in Gettysburg. This is something else I was talking about off the air. We did the hundred and fiftieth. Uh, reenactment of Gettysburg in 2013, right? So, yeah. Uh, 63 to 13. Um, and it was so hot and muggy and everything in central southern Pennsylvania. Um, and then after that, to like the end of July, maybe not even end of, end of July, um, we went out to visit my brother and sister-in-law. And I took my laptop and worked, and I had a day where I was sitting outside working. And, you know, so I'm just sitting with my computer. There's there's enough shade there. And I'm like, it's 82 degrees right now? And, <laughs> like, it it seemed like it was warm, but I wasn't sweaty. I wasn't mm-hmm. uncomfortable. I did spend the whole week we were there, like, drinking a lot of water. Um, cause I'm like, it's so dry, it's so dry, it's dry. Here. <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah, so I know, I know what you're talking about for sure. I'm already planning, assuming that I'm still doing the nomad life next summer or maybe even late this summer, though. I, I don't, I think it's a little too late to make these kind of plans now for this yeah. summer, but definitely next summer I want to try and try and spend it out West in the Pacific Northwest, um, Get some, oh, yeah. get some higher elevation uh, to deal with that. that, to deal with that. It, it is it is a total different world. I've said it on this uh, on this show even. You know, Wyoming up in the mountains or Colorado and such during mm-hmm. the summer is just it's different. It's not what you expect. You know, right? Uh, when you hit a certain altitude, it's it's cold at night, especially yep. very very cold at night in the summers. Uh, mm-hmm. Which which is just a whole different. You know, I mean, people up there probably don't think it's cold, but they right, know what right. real cold is during the winters. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, I, I, and I'm, I'm planning on my, uh, what trip I'm going to take vacation. Sure. I'm doing it like I got to make plans this week. Um, hmm. But as it starts to get humid, I start that it makes me want to go out, go out West um, instead of, you know, being in, in humidity here. We, I've been really fortunate this spring in here in Indiana. It's been uh, the, the way you uh, described it earlier of being, you know, nice. It can be 80. It's been eight, like 85. And I didn't feel bad at all. Like I didn't, I could wear jeans and I'm actually okay. Um, hmm. and you're like, Oh, this is great. But I know what 85 is usually like in the summer and I will avoid outside as much as possible, you know? Right. Right. Um, so 
I, I you know, I, I love that. And I, I like exploring and stuff. So maybe, maybe we'll, um, I'll go west. Who, who knows? Who knows? Um, <laughs> so m- m- moving along on our, on our topics this, this week, uh, I know we got, we got our, our movie to talk about, but I want to talk about strange new worlds first. Okay. We gushed about this last week, but I just can't not talk about this show <laughs> and we'll talk about episode yeah. three. We'll, we'll, we'll it's, constrain it and we'll make ourselves limited this week on time. Right. But, uh, right. We, we, just, we have just, we've just one episode, so we'll try to, I mean, we'll probably still episode. have general, general thoughts, but, um, uh, yeah, if you haven't seen this, I'm going to hit the bell here so that we can talk yeah. about spoilers. Yeah. All right. If you're still here, we are going to talk about episode three of the first season of Star Trek, strange new worlds. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want to get spoiled on that, skip ahead. Or go watch it and come back. Or go watch it and come back. Yeah, we we um we we have this thing about you know being cautiously optimistic or leery about you know saying a, a series is good or bad, but uh, because it's only shown a couple episodes. But this mm-hmm. is the third one, and the third one is just I like it just as much as the first two so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it it's it's doing the. I'm going to steal your thing because you said it in chat. It's like, or was it Chris Reynolds, one of the two who said. This is this is the one they made for the original series and next generation people. I think you said that. Yeah, that was that was me. Yeah, and and I think that's very accurate. I think that um I don't think they intentionally did that. I think that that's the way it came out. I think that those people are the majority of trekkies these days. Mm-hmm. And um they uh they were the ones that really enjoyed and and were vocal about how much they enjoyed uh, those these characters on discovery uh right. so when they make this they made this series it's kind of for the people who requested it and that's the and the people who were acting and uh who wrote it who wrote those characters were writing that way so they're writing this one yeah uh so yeah. Uh, episode three specifically um it hits a couple of the things that what it i don't know how many episodes in a season they're going to do but right. i can say that Right off in the first pilot and the second one, you have questions. Like, oh, I got questions. That person said <laughs> their last name is Noonien. Okay, there's going to be something about that, right? And right. then you've got uh, who is who is this number one? What's her what's her deal? Or, um, you know, what's with X, Y, or Z type thing? And their what third episode, the they, they hit it right away. You know, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna answer your questions. And what I love about it is they're not gonna spend the entire season exploring all of Khan Nudie and Sung's prodigies and all of this stuff. It just was one episode. It had yeah. it had the arc throughout it, and it had a resolution, mm-hmm. right? So you you got some drama and some tension and some stuff and some conflict and then some resolution, and it went through. Something's got, uh, you know sprinkled throughout for future future stuff but you still had a all the arcs had a kind of a resolution to them like a good episodic should um right i I particularly liked the extra little thing they did with the doctor that doctor i really like that actor i don't know who i've never seen him before but he's Mm -hmm. he's great like i think if he just keeps going how he is he can be a great star trek character Mm -hmm. yeah the the only thing i kept thinking about that was like whether he's going to die or hopefully get reassigned because bones comes in at some point right yeah yeah i don't know it's been a long time since i watched the cage and i know that i mean i probably i don't know i mean i'm thinking of kelvin verse stuff where he sort of latches on to 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 jim there but uh yeah i don't know when that 
when that transition happens. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know either. Um, but there's a couple of people. There's going to be an engineer is going to have to go away, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the the pilot person will have to go away. Um, so all all they're going to have to they'll have to find at some point reasons for these crew to move on or just transfer or something. Um, sure, but. Yeah, that, that, that'll happen. Uh, but anyway, the, I, I really like the characters. I like the writing. I like the story arcs. It's just fun. And, it, and uh, Planet of the Week, Alien of the Week, love it. Yeah, I it. mean, one of the... one of, I alluded to this a little bit last week. One of the, the big, like, oh, I don't know, downfalls or shortcomings of episodic uh, storytelling is the status quo, right? That you have to reset everything at the end of every episode. Yeah. Um, and some shows like, um, like it's always sunny in Philadelphia, uh, do that like aggressively, right? Like every other episodic show is bound by the status quo and always sunny. It like almost weaponizes it. It's like some crazy stuff is going to happen and they're going to burn stuff down. But then at the end of the episode, they're rebuilding it or, or something like that. Cause it's got a reset for next week. Um, I think in the era of streaming, when we've had, you know, when we've talked about this topic at infinitum, but um, we have so much serialized storytelling, you don't have to be bound as much by the status quo. Like we can get new information about the characters and that can affect the story going forward. I mean, we were even doing that in the nineties, um, but the strength and I've said this before, um, the strength of episodic storytelling is that if a story is weak or whatever, if there's something you don't love about it, it's just one episode. Next week, we're going to move on. Like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. maybe there's a character you don't like, but that's a problem in either format. Right. Um, And so this episode, uh, it, it leaned a little into social commentary, which as I said, Star Trek always has done, has always done. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little, I don't know. Some of this is probably me. Like I'm sensitive to, to both of these topics after the last two years. Like I think a lot of people are, and I'm like, Oh man, they're doing, they're doing this already, but <laughs> it wasn't. And I don't know, like I can't judge. I can't really compare the new shows to the shows in the nineties, because I watched all of those in reruns. Right. Some of them like a couple years later, some of them like Voyager and deep space nine decades later. Right. Right. So I can't possibly view them the way that a viewer in 97 would have watched or a viewer in 67 would have watched. Um, I just can't. Right. And so it felt a little, like a little more heavy handed than it needed to be. But then when I actually watched this episode twice, when I watched it again, I was like, you know, it makes sense. Like they're on a ship, like they can't have everybody on the ship getting sick and going crazy with this light disease. So they have to do lockdown. And, you know, just cause they say the word lockdown, like I'm my skin crawls a little bit and I'm like, no, no, they're not doing that. Nobody on the ship is upset. Like, yeah, they're you know the doctors and the doctor and the nurse and and number one all kind of exchange looks when they have to do that, but everybody does it. 
they're Starfleet officers. They're no civilians on the ship, at least that we know of yet at this point yeah. and not in this era. And so they're not going to, you know, nobody's going to protest. Nobody's going to like break the lockdown because it's a military um, environment. Yeah. Right. And so I'm like, okay, that's, that's me projecting. I'm being a little <laughs> oversensitive about this stuff, but I'm like, really, we're three episodes in and you're doing this. Okay. Okay. Fine. <laughs> and then, and then but, the, but it was quick. They didn't even like, yeah. it wasn't like a major thing. Right. No, the, like the main story is this, um, um, uh, genetic engineering thing, which is a, like a hinted at topic subject throughout, um, you know, the, the history of the franchise. And because this is a prequel series, you know that they can't make sweeping changes, right? They can't mm -hmm. change Starfleet or the Federation to become suddenly accepting of genetic modification because we know that it's still a taboo in the Deep Space Nine era. Yeah. Right. Um, that's a, that's a storyline with, with, uh, Dr. Bashir. Yeah. Um, and so they're gonna, you know, they're gonna play it in this kind of small, scale uh small scope kind of thing and it and it was good and you know like i said a little bit ago it's the episode is done right like yeah. it might the genetic engineering thing might come back but this light disease thing is is over like the story's over and they're going to be mm -hmm. on to another planet next week right yeah and, and you get you do get a, it does the episodic content still does a couple things like i'll mention that the doctor's uh daughter Right. Like that's something that's probably mm -hmm. going to definitely come back at some point. Right. Right. Or, or be interwoven somewhere in. So you do get some long-term things, but right. you know, not everything, you know, it, it doesn't have to be all about that. Um, another thing about um, like social commentary type stuff. Uh, and I'm going to just bash discovery in cause I can't way discovery would have handled the lockdown thing is that they would have made some kind of like, point about whether the people should or they don't they don't like being locked down or their rights being locked down and and then had some kind of like mm -hmm. social commentary on that thing this one uh did the it doesn't do that like it, it'll say social commentary with the eugenic stuff but it right. just it, it's all within the context of the world not 100 percent parallel with the say current events that are happening right now yeah uh, that are happening but still generally like you know you shouldn't uh base your decisions on people's race or genetic makeup uh based on prejudices right, it, right. that's right. that's what they said but they didn't say that right right um and they they just and they didn't even need to say that like she comes up at the end and turns in her badge because that's the rule and that's the that's the law and she's going to turn that in and he he just comes and says, "Nope, you're a, you're the best officer in the fleet. I'll take care of Starfleet. Moving on." He didn't tell her like, "I'm going to stand up and you know people shouldn't be." He doesn't say the words "people shouldn't be judged." Whatever. He, it's just implied, and and you know it. And if you're if you're aware of that message they're giving, then it's you know what they're saying, right? But you don't right. have to be right. fits, you know, forced it down your throat and mm -hmm. told what you should or shouldn't think of of this. Right. Um, which, which is nice. You just, it's just given. Um, so, and, and also with that part with the lockdown thing made me think of what you had said before. The crew, uh, trusts the chain of command ex explicitly. Like they just have mm -hmm. trust, not just the chain of command, but like their, their crew members, the first officer calls a lockdown. They all just have to do it because it's military and that's what they do. 
It's their jobs. Even um, the even the grouchy, surly, engin- blind engineer guy. Even even him. Which, by the way, I like him too. So I, I, the, the cast continues to prove great, um, fulfilling their roles wonderfully. You know, taking the spotlight when they should, but not overdoing it. Like a, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Rebecca Romaine is was really great, and this is a one kind of episode focused on her. Um, yeah, I actually kind of like what they've added to her. She's cool in general. She was awesome as a person character in general, but now they added this like superwoman thing to her. Right. Uh, that's kind of, it, it very much fits the Orville, you know, security officer type person. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah except that Rebecca Romaine is like seven foot tall and can, you know, got a frame where she can actually, when she picked that dude up, I was like, it does look awkward for sure. But I don't know. The, she's kind of a when, strap. When lady. I, <laughs> yeah. When I watched it the first time, I was like, why are we watching her carry this guy for so long? This is such a long shot. And then <laughs> the nurse chapel reacts to her. And I'm like, then when I watched it again, I was like, Oh, well, yeah. Okay. I see what they're doing now. I didn't get it before because yeah, she kind of fits it. Like she it might didn't be able to seem, do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's, she's almost as tall as, as Ansem Mount, or at least appears to be. Um, right. And, I mean, she was a model. They're all like super tall, aren't they? Right. Right. Yeah. So, so that's anyway, mo- moving on from strange world episode, like it, it was great. All of the reasons that we said here and more, um, Ansem out proves to be another great captain it, just mm-hmm. from his example yeah. and way he moves forward. He doesn't get emotionally sappy, but he, he, he forms emotional connections enough. Um, yeah. and, and not same with all the, the cast and crew. And, and I, and I, I mentioned the doctor and nurse chapel lo- love both of them. Spock is, a perfect. It's, I I like. Here's my favorite thing. I want to say this is my last thing. I like how all the characters are sprinkled throughout. There's not too much Spock. There's not too little Spock. There's not too little Nurse Chapel. Not too much. Yeah. Every yeah. character is in it, just like the Next Generation stuff. Everybody's there, even if there's a main character in this episode, right? right. And 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 I like that a lot. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Now we're gonna go to. Um, well, let's do let's do our our anime thing we had this week. Our our movie we've chosen this week for the new weekly challenge. What do you say? Yep. Okay. All right. This week uh, we watched the 2013 Hayao Miyazaki Studio Ghibli film, The Wind Rises. This was his last one. That he was supposed to be his last one. Yeah, and he. He had already, I believe, he had already retired, and then right. he came out of retirement to make this movie. It's um, I don't know. So he's made one since this. You said I think so, or but the, the, he was supposed to have been like this was his his last one. But I I've done some reading and watching some of his stuff since I watched this Wind Rises this week, and mm-hmm. I don't know that guy just feels like he's gonna make animation for his whole life it's just kind of like who he is <laughs> yeah yeah uh let's see director yeah there's a there's a short borrow the caterpillar from 18 and there's me something in filming i don't know what that is but yeah and this is um ponyo was in 2008 so there's five year um gap after that where he was supposed to be retired and then he came back uh to make this the Wind Rise. It's also um, said to be his only movie that takes place entirely in the real world. Um, 
Mm. You know, not in any kind of fantasy setting. I know that um, sometimes like uh, Tales of Princess Kaguya is historical, but it's still like, you know, that there's uh, like conception of heaven and angels come down and stuff like that. So it's still fantastical or supernatural in that way. And like we watched um, Spirited Away, which starts in the normal world and then she goes into this spirit world. Mm hmm where the where the inn the bathhouse is um but this movie aside from the dream sequences um takes place in the real world um let's uh let's hit the bell on this there's not really i mean there's a little bit of story spoiler it's it's more about the journey than anything um but i'm gonna hit the bell anyway if you haven't seen this and you don't want to be spoiled on story elements I'm going to hit that there. We're going to talk about details, probably, of the story of The Wind Rises, and then uh, come back with final thoughts. So, the, 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 there's he's got a, um, I guess, a biopic on, on him. This is a biopic, but that's not what I'm talking about here. There, there's a... Um, is it bio? I, I always say biopic. Bi- biopic, biopic. I, I've heard it both ways. Um, uh, of... Um, I mean, it's a biopic, biography picture is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, of him that, that you can watch online. Uh, it's like five episodes that are an hour each, um, which is a pretty, it's a really good one. Um, it's interesting, on, especially. It's on Mi- Miyazaki? Yeah, on Miyazaki. Okay. Yeah, it, it's a really good one. And it's and it's it's completely free online that you can watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and But it's on some weird, uh, different website type thing. Um, and that they were like, they just allowed this company to do it with this one director. And like, you are the only one that can go in here and you're going to have to film it and do the stuff. And that's it. And you can only mm-hmm. have it posted on this website. So that's, that's all you can see it. Um, but it, it's good. Um, and I haven't watched all five of them. Um, uh, but I find it inter- entertaining from if at the minimal kind of aspect of like a Japanese culture and you know how people are seen and revered or their jobs and their work ethics and family and stuff like that that's yeah yeah uh, and he's just one but you know someone there so he's he's one of my if not he is definitely my favorite uh anime writer director figure and all-around person i love almost everything he's he's done sure um in one of those the reason i brought that thing up before is he talks a lot a lot about after he did my neighbor totoro which obviously, actually, I haven't seen. Believe it or not, Sydney like scolded me for not for not seeing it yet. <laughs> I haven't um, seen it either. So uh, it's uh, he says that, and he's talked to his wife about this. Is that every time he makes a new movie, he feels like he's got to make a better Totoro. And he says it all the time. He's like, he, hmm. and then when he gets done with it, it, he almost feels like I don't know if that was as good as Totoro. He says that for everything he's done. Interesting. Um, it, it is. So he he says it's been his pushing thing but also his devil or he says it in so many words you know sure that that he it's it, it constantly feels like he's disappointed because he's not he didn't do better than totoro chasing um, the dragon sort of yeah right um, um which is silly because I, I granted i haven't seen totoro but princess mononoke spirited away house moving castle like these are just ridiculously incredible Nostal movies that are one after another better and castle better on the sky yeah. Castle in the Sky, yeah, just just some really really great stuff. Uh, you know, Ponyo is an example. Um, I think for one of them, he was talking about what to do next when he was deciding what to do with uh, this this last movie. It was supposed to be his last movie. 
he asked his wife and she was like, why don't you just do like when it's like Totoro? <laughs> and, and, and he said, well, we already did Totoro. We can't do it again. Um, so instead he did this, this one way you're, you, you described as this, like in the real world type stuff. And this mm-hmm. movie, uh, so we're all clear on it. If you haven't seen it yet, or you're not sure if you've watched it, it's about a guy, a real person mm-hmm. who was an engineer in Japan that helped engineer the zero, which zero is the, Horikoshi. The, yeah. It, it's yeah. He's a real person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, and he was one of the main, uh, uh designers for the, the Japanese zero plane that yep. was a major, uh, weapon of war in world war two. Um, right. and uh, ultimately ended up becoming the plane that was, uh, their kamikaze planes. Their, the one where they would, you know, suicide crash into them yeah. uh, because they were light, quick, easy to build and, um, very maneuverable and could just, you know, get right in there and yeah. super fast and super fast. Uh, that was her thing. Um, but it's not 100% because he, um, wanted to tell other stories within it. So he made up the whole like second act, um, and, okay. and made it his spin. And that's anything to do with his wife, uh, mm. slash girlfriend and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted to tell a story of, um, Hideo Miyazaki wanted, or her, he, I always say Hideo, um, Heo Miyazaki Hayo. wanted to tell a story of you have the trade-offs you have to give, like you chase your dream. And if you get there, what did you miss out on and what have you yeah, lost? I mean, I mean, you can, I, I watched a couple cause I watched this, um, late last week, I think, but far enough back that I was like, I should brush up and get some, some sort mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm you know, other reactions to kind of, right. um, base my, it's, it's a story about dreams. Um, I mean, that's what in all of his, in all of Jiro's, uh, uh, dreams that he has talking to the Italian, um, uh, uh, aero engineer, um, he tells him, he tells young Jiro, you know, planes are not for war or for making money. They're, they're dreams, they're beautiful dreams, but they're cursed dreams. And it's, and it's the, so you have this trade-off between this dream, this beautiful dream to make something beautiful and something amazing, um, and the, the weight of the, of the curse that comes with it. And so you've got the main story about the planes, and then as you say, the, 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 the third act or the beast is, I mean, it's sort of sprinkled throughout this, this love story, um, but... Um, and some of that, I think, is inspired by um, Hayao Miyazaki's mother, who had tuberculosis um, when she was young, but did recover. Um, where, in this case, even though there is love in this relationship, like, he still is, his first priority is his dream. Um, and you can see that in his in his decisions um, while they're together, and in her decisions when she leaves. Um and so it's a it's a kind of um it's one of those things that I you know I attribute a lot to anime though we see it in other genres from other countries um where the the ending and the message is kind of ambiguous like it's it's left up to you the audience to describe because I could describe it to you as like he has this dream and all he wants to do is design this plane, but he designs his plane, this great plane, and it's used to murder thousands of people, not murder, but it's used to kill thousands and thousands of people. Um, and, you know, he's so focused on it that he neglects his wife and she ends up dying. And it sounds 
dark and sad and depressing but the the end the the final ending sequence is not that way it's it's much more of a like kind of like you have this dream and you and you know this is just my interpretation because it's you know like i said the 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 movie leaves it the story of the movie leaves it kind of open to you to decide like yes life and the world is still mm-hmm. capricious it's still un you know unpredictable it starts out with this earthquake which was a historic a historic thing and and understanding that yeah some sometimes you know you know things don't go away you know i what i kept thinking of is like you want to do something beautiful but to do something truly um you know impressive magnificent or whatever often requires um sort of evil uh not motivations but like like resources right yeah. like if you want to he talks about the pyramids like would you want to live in a world with pyramids or without pyramids and they don't say this like that's all that's in the movie is that line and the the italian guy says i choose pyramids and now for me i'm thinking what do the pyramids mean right it means you had this culture built on mm-hmm. slavery and you built these massive artifacts these buildings that have stood for i don't know like 3000 years or something um that are still there and so you made something in this awful way but it's something great right there it's literally called a great pyramid um and when you want to like yes he wanted to make passenger planes and we have passenger planes but the motivation behind well sure it started out with dreamers right like the wright brothers and whatever you know the dream of flight but to get the to get the resources to advance those things you oftentimes need motivations like military uh war kind of things or to you know a maybe lesser evil depending on your perspective um um capitalism right like right revenue find like you need a thing that makes money and that's always the constant struggle right like we've got these people this board of investors and all they care about is money but without their money you can't do anything and i'm oversimplifying that greatly but um and so that's all the stuff that was going on um in my head in terms of of what the story um means and what kind of like lesson or or application to to take from it which you know of course is just me it's perfectly yeah, like that's that's, that's yeah, part of the, yeah. of the fun of those kind of, of shows is you know coming to your own interpretation a lot of people enjoy these kind of open-ended things without being explicitly told necessarily what the moral is so that you can make up not make up but find your own meaning right yeah, and that, yeah. that makes it right all the time almost you know um i i can say because there's the fourth episode of that that biopic that i was talking about specifically deals with this movie that we're watching Okay, sorry. I, I, yeah, you were talking about that. No, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm going to mix that in with what you're saying here because that, that all kind of goes together with the things you were saying. Um, he, so what you kind of learn in there is, um, 
again, what he, a lot of these artists who will make the movies that have open-ended kind of things or don't explicitly say things, they have maybe what they think is the message they're trying to say. But if they intentionally frame a movie the way that they do, they don't often say what they want because they want you to interpret it the same, but they, in the same vein, they still have something that they personally think of when they, you know, interpret the movie. And, sure. and he, on this one, um, it's, you can kind of tell from that, that biopic episode four, that it's kind of what he's trying to say about his own life. Like he mm. gave up, he gave up a whole lot to be in this animation business and to be the person he is. And a lot of that was family. Like he's, he's sure. often, he's often seen as being very, very hard and critical on his son and, okay. yeah. um, and has lost a lot of time with him and then come back at times and said things like, I think in that one, they quote him as saying, um, like I owe that kid an apology because, you know, uh, being absent or, you know, or, or choosing work, what is this? choosing work over that? Right. And that's what this main character does in this one is he's choosing work you know over this even so much so that in and heo says he he misses his his loving wife's death right Mm -hmm. um because of that and he loves her dearly and she loves him dearly but he's always choosing to go to work uh, all day long every day all day until and then coming home it's super late at night or even days apart when he knows that they are that she only has barely days left right 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 and he still does this thing because that's his that's his thing um and then at the end when it's over and she dies and he's sitting there and he has that last conversation with the italian guy he kind of reflects on that kind of stuff and you know what i did what i did but at what cost Mm -hmm. and was that dream in the end ultimately worth it like i i produced this wonderful dream of my own or whatever is whatever it costs to get to this point and now that it's done and over, did it was was it worth it, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or, or uh, at what cost? As I said before, and it's in, in right. it, the this this uh, picture doesn't tell you whether the main character thinks that it was worthwhile or not, right? Right? It's kind of left up to you um, because you know what the zeros do and the importance in history, and then the fact that this guy even made with it made it is we're making a bio anime bio movie about him means he did something. Right. And the yeah. same thing can, can, can be said about Miyazaki's himself. And that, that's why, you know, you look at this, you think he can look at this and say, OK, I did a thing. But only in the end, I sacrificed all this other stuff. And I'm sure he doesn't know even when he's writing it and making it. it you know, if he's dead and gone, would he have rather or when he's in his twilight years, you know, spent time with his family and, and changed things like that. So that's a really that's a really was really interesting in how that worked. Um he uh, and the what, the reason he did that that's why he put in all those extra stuff the thing about the love story in the family is because i honestly think and i'm here i'm going to be a little bit critical on it mm-hmm. um the first half was storyline very boring actually most of the stuff that was the historical stuff was pretty boring because in general that person is not an interesting person historically like he made the zero and was part of that team had some maybe ideas that was written down, like political ideas, but nothing really that engaging. Um, and he, so he made this engaging, right? Uh, uh, Miyazaki did. He he saw the story and made it engaging. 
and extrapolated what he want from to get to get his point of the thing out. But when, if you take those parts out, the sh- the story itself is pretty straightforward and not all that interesting. Even the parts uh, Miyazaki put in. There's a guy that comes in and talks to him about the war, right? Talks to him about um, what they're doing, and he's kind of like uh, he gets chased out of town by the Nazis. That guy's completely fictional too, because uh, Miyazaki wanted to make a point about something. So he puts these characters in that mm. aren't right. to make it interesting. And it's funny. Every time something was interesting in the movie, I come to find out that that's an added thing. Right. And I'm like, Oh, he made this movie. Sure, interesting. Sure. He made this movie interesting by adding all of this stuff. If you just take all that stuff out and he did a straight biopic biopic, it's not that interesting. And even when he does that, what makes it good is studio Ghibli. Like, it's just, I think I texted you at this at the time. Like, it's just beautiful. Even yeah. though this is a boring, he's just going through, walking through cities. He's going to his job. He fails at a plane. It's this is so boring and interesting and long, uninteresting <laughs> and long. But it's so pretty, like the it's, wind blowing it's, and it's so pretty. Uh, like I like I said, I I do with a lot of things. I watched this um, at like one point two speed, mm-hmm. which was still it's still slow enough that I can still see and appreciate um, all the things. You you probably watched it in English. Yeah, uh, no, I watched it in Japanese. Okay, it's With um, sub- subtitles. Yeah, the uh, the voice actor. Well, I shouldn't even say voice actor, but the person who voiced Jiro is um, Hideaki Anno, who made yeah. uh, Evangelion. Yeah, uh, right. th- that we watched. I didn't know that until I was looking at the. But I'm also looking at the English cast. They had uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing that character. He he, he mentions um, that when they got that actor. Like mm-hmm. uh, in in the thing, he, uh, Miyazaki mentions that he went around to everybody in the whole like Studio Ghibli. We got this guy. We got this guy. We're so excited. We're doing this thing, <laughs> and and that's the biggest thing he was most excited about in the whole project was that he got that guy to voice it. And I was like, that's kind of funny. I mean, he's uh, a big like one of the. I mean, we watched um, that series. It's very um, uh, impactful for a lot of people just in the way that it deals with uh, you know father son relationships and mental health and. Right. And all that stuff. Did you notice I, I had this confirmed in the in one of the YouTube videos I saw, but I could kind of tell from watching it that almost all of the plane sound effects are are done by people. No, I didn't know. I didn't all know that, no. all their little like engine blurring and whirring sounds is all people making making sounds with their mouths. And I'm like, <laughs> that's that's, awesome. that's great. There was a moment in the movie where I'm like that sounds to me like a bunch of people making plane engine sounds, and I love it. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah, so uh, coming out of this one and going into to Final Judgments, I, I mean, I like yeah. this one. It's 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 a, it's a Studio Ghibli movie, so it's good. I I still don't. How do I say that it? How do I give it a comp? But <laughs> I'm trying to think. I don't want to say it's bad. Uh, when you're ranking things with some of the best thing anime in the world, it's hard to to say that it's bad it, it, and it's bad because it doesn't stack up to those great legendary things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I should, I don't want to say that what I'm going to say. It's a good anime movie that I really liked and I really enjoyed. Uh, is it better than um, castle in the sky? No. Is it better than house castle? No. Is it better than spirit away? No. You know, uh, mm-hmm. but, but obviously that BD is in the eye of the beholder. Sometimes there it's, it's you sure. Know, uh, it may be perfect for you, but that can be said with literally everything. Um, but for my own personal opinions, I liked it. I liked what it had to tell. It's pretty. It's 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 a little slow, uh, but the parts that get added um, are 
great. They're touching. They're beautiful and they're wonderful. Um, if I had put to put this on a Studio Ghibli ranking thing, I would you know put it much lower than the other ones. And I tell people to go watch much other shows. But if you are a Studio Ghibli fan and you've not seen this one, it is worth watching for sure. Heck, if you're an anime fan in general, I think it's worth watching, if not just for the beautiful artwork and intentional storytelling. Yeah, I I agree with all of that, and I would say even if um if you're not a Studio Ghibli fan and you've maybe seen some of the more fantastic like Spirited Away and are put off by um the more fantastical like mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. sort of sort of elements of that yeah. um of those uh this one <laughs> I was going to say it's very grounded which is uh, no pun intended for uh. about planes um it's it's i mean aside from the dream sequences which are still um you know it's like it's a dream so you're like this and there's still no like there's no dragons or weird like floating head demons or anything like that in the dream sequences it's just dreams about planes um and so i think that's maybe more accessible but it is still um one of these kind of stories and and productions that is um it's more thought-provoking than simply just telling you a story um, about some people falling in love or, uh, uh, you know, pulling off a heist or something like that. It's more, um, as we say, cerebral. Yeah, I I, I agree with that in and, and, uh, uh, all aspects. That's, that's yeah. well said. But it's it's weird that it's Studio Ghibli doesn't have any of those things. So that that's actually that's actually a really good reason, like that. It's a Studio Ghibli movie that's not about fantasy. So you can here you get a chance to you just said it really well. If you're not a Studio Ghibli because of those things, you can still enjoy a Studio Ghibli thing without It a feels like I like that. It, that was well, that was well said. It feels like a more um adult story, like a more mature story, not that um the other and I've only seen a handful of the other ones. Um but you know the 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 style of the of the other ones seems more um, uh, kid focused. Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, with some, you know, some of those things and in, in, in defense of those more fantastical elements, I think some of those are just off putting to us as Western viewers, because of course these are, you know, decades ago before there was anime available all the time with services like Crunchyroll. Um, and and you know pokemon dragon ball z and and stuff like that um these were the movies that were imported and and dubbed by disney right and so they were the they were the anime movies that people saw um Mm -hmm. and some of those things are like boy this seems really weird like why is this weird it's just weird because it's a little different from our version of fantastical and and quote-unquote weird um you know we have Looney Tunes, you know, a bunch of talking animals and weird, you know, Roadrunner cartoons. Like there's there's weird fantastical stuff in in animation in most cultures that create animation like this. Um yeah. yeah. The Japanese stuff is just based on a different aesthetic, a different um like mythology and mythos and and set of and set of things. They're they're dragons and they're demons and all of those things just look different from ours that's all. yeah right and that's fun um all right so yeah next week it's your pick what do you got 
Oh, yeah, sure. Um, well, it's, it's summertime, and I'm looking for some, some summer movies. Um, I just saw our, our buddy Fox um, had just posted the newest um, Mission Impossible trailer, and I'm a big fan of Mission Impossible. Um, it's like the you know, 12th it, it is what it is. 13th one of those. Yeah, 700 of them. Um, it, you know, it's funny that I, I see that series like an episodic show that you get once every couple of years, right? Sure. Sure. It's, it's like, uh, if you watch discovery and there's four episodes, four seasons of discovery, that's one story over eight hours each time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, these are one story told over two hours, right? So you get the, get a new episode of Ethan hunt and his, right. his world every so long. Uh, but that I say that because there's one, I, I, I'm in the mood to watch one of those kind of vein shows and there's a show called Ronin. Um, hmm. that I remember watching one time it was, uh, With De Niro. out of the, out of the blue, didn't expect it. Somebody said, Hey, you should watch this show. And I really liked it. Haven't watched it since. Um, but, and, and I don't remember a whole lot about the plot line, but I remember the plot line had a cool ending. Can't remember what it was, but it had a cool ending. So there's a the thing. Um, and it's got De Niro in it. So let's do Ronan. Thanks. Um, we're getting a little close to our time here but i did finally finish moon knight today oh good i i need to rewatch the end of that last one um i didn't quite get to get to pay attention to it the whole time but i did get to see i don't want to go into spoilers cause we, we'll talk about this more in depth i think okay you you want to you want to talk about it next week i do but i, I want to okay. say that what i remember of it that's why i need to watch it again um it feels like they did a whole lot of big like CG spectacles and big fights. It felt like a Marvel movie was happening on my screen over there, which I didn't get to watch. Is that true? Mm. You think it ended up with like a big Marvel movie finish? Yeah, that's probably a good, um, probably a probably a, an accurate statement. I mean, that's broad, but yeah. Mm. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, I, I'm gonna watch that one again. Man, have we? We still have not. T- next week, we're gonna watch talk about for all mankind, like. It's been forever, and we need to, to talk about that. And the next season's coming out pretty soon. Hmm. Uh, there's a lot of things coming out. Um, it's going to be Kenobi's coming out uh, right, real soon. Right. The the Orville season three or three, is that right? It's coming three, out. Yeah. Um, so and those, those are so some big things. Uh, I'm finished. I got one episode left of Upload, second season. Watch that one. I'll watch that oh, this okay. week. And I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying that one still so far. Early that, in, that, that, early in June, we're finally getting Diablo Immortal. Diablo Immortal, that's right, yeah. I'll I'll look forward to playing that one. Um, I've been playing on my phone lately some oldies but goodies from the creators of uh, um, Hades. Uh, Hmm. Games called Bastion and Transistor. Those are are two games that are not old games. They're like, what, within the last 10 years? Yeah, I played Transistor a little bit, and um, I bought Bastion. I don't think I played it, though. Yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward and and uh, simple enough, especially if you played on played on your phone. With I, I both those games, I suggest using a controller type thing with your your phone. I've got that one that that called a backbone that connects to it. Yeah, it's I really have enjoyable. I have Bastion on Switch, so oh yeah, that, that exactly yeah. like a Switch type thing. Uh, and Transistor, I absolutely love. I really, 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 truly love that game, and I think it's a fantastic, wonderful game. Uh, I. I say I started playing it. I just loaded it up because I just got. I'm really. I'm going to do Bastion first, um, mm. which is like I said, it's just fun. It's very bite sized. Those games feel to me in the same vein of the the Steam World kind of type stuff, where they're sure. 
they're in depth and they're good, but they're not going to take 600 hours. Right. right. Even if you complete them, they're not going to take 600 hours, mm-hmm. which I super enjoy. I don't want a short game, but I don't want to like the one that's I'm never going to finish because I get burnt out on it. Right. right. And a lot yeah. of iOS games are that way. For sure. Um, so I, I, that, that's what I'm playing on my, my phone recently. Hopefully it'll, those are pretty, I, you know, it's still, I still went back and played Grindstone, by the way, that had a bunch of extra levels. And Oh yeah. I canceled my, uh, my arcade, so I don't have. Yeah, I pick it up occasionally just to see the new things, and then and then play it again. So nice. I think I'm gonna can- cancel arcade again now that I've reconquered all the levels in gen- in Grindstone again. There's there's not much. <laughs> uh, I always think now that I've got a controller with with Apple Arcade, I'm gonna find something. But there's, I don't know. It's just something about that Apple Arcade that they're, you know, n- not having the games I really really want for some reason. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it. That's just me. I think it's personal. I'm sure there's lots of really great games you can play. Sure, sure, of course, of course. Cool, man. I think we got it. We saved a couple of lives this week. All right. Well, you've been listening to the Front Porch. This is episode 247. Thanks as always to our friends at LRM Online. Uh, you can check them out for reviews on all the things. Our buddy Fox is over there doing some good work. If you want to reach out to us with suggestions for things we should watch, tell us your ranking of top five uh, uh, Hayao Miyazaki movies. Uh, you can do that. Reach us via email. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. If you go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, you can use contact forms there to reach out to us. Uh, you can find an old, out-of-date list of the movies we're going to watch someday. <laughs> um, if you enjoy The Front Porch, please consider subscribing on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, if you leave us a review, we always appreciate that. It helps us out a lot. As always, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. From Porch. Hi, everybody. See you next time.